Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Johnny Sisson in Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Johnny. Good morning. Hi, Johnny. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we don't have Carl Havens today. Um, he's pretty much knee-deep in red algae at the moment. So, um, yeah, he, he can't... His, he can't. Three, his 3D popped. <laughs> 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 so uh, unfortunately yep no no call today but uh, we do have a returning guest who's escaped um, from episode 22 and we've caught him again and that's eric sluice of the frisco collective hello eric hi guys good to be here thank you for having me it's great good to have you back yeah absolutely thank you. great to have you back and um just as a, a reminder about eric um he's uh, utterly besotted uh, with Carl's eyes, rangefinder lenses. Um, <laughs> I am. I admit. I admit. <laughs> um, but and this week we're going to strand him on uh, on our desert island. Uh, but before we do that um, and talk about what lenses he might take with us and whether or not he's going to surprise us by taking something other than his ice lens, um, perhaps uh, you could tell us what you've been up to with your Frisco Collective uh, since it was June when you were last with us, and I know you've been up to quite a bit since then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, June, uh, I think maybe we all know that, you know, the summer has been very, very hot in, in Europe. So uh, it was warm. I mean, we're talking close to 40 C, which is you know, for here, very warm. As far as Frisco, we had some interesting things. Um, I had the opportunity to work together with the Canadians a lot. Uh, we are 2018, which is 100 years after the end of the First World War. Uh, Mons was one of the last places there was fighting. Uh, so we had big commemorations. We had a lot of Canadian troops visiting. Uh, so great photo opportunities. Um, Frisco was invited by the Canadians, um, by the US. We have a big NATO base uh, at like, you know, 10 kilometers from here, which is called um, SHAPE, Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe. Um, so the military big brass is here. They visit, they come over, big uh, celebrations, big commemorations. A lot of people from the UK visiting the war graves, um, all that, and Frisco was honored to be a part of that, uh, both in digital and in film photography. Uh, the, the pictures went out, the, they are published. They are in Canada, they're in the UK, they're here in Belgium. Uh, so summertime was great, uh, a great time for all. Uh, from uh, September to October, uh, we've been quite kind of quiet. Um, the the plan is to go to Eastern Europe. Uh, that was planned for uh, October, November. Uh, didn't happen yet. So it will be February, March uh, for us to go out again. So a great time. Uh, also some family time. I mean, you know, the kids are on vacation. We went on vacation. We had a good time. So all in all, good things happening. There you are. 
Yeah, well, there was some, there were some great photos um, that you that you did of these um, of these commemorations and uh, and, and marches and uh, and you uh, as you as you've already said there you were you were taking shots uh, with a, with a combination yeah. of, um, of of media. So you were, some were digital with old lenses and uh, and some were on film. And I'm just wondering when you said that the uh, you were invited to to do this from uh, on on the Canadian side. Yes. Um, did they uh, request a, a certain kind of photo to be taken, or or, yes, or some? Yes. And 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 also, were they aware of the kind of photography that you do in terms of uh, film versus digital and things like that? It's a very good question. Um, what happens is when you're working rangefinder and film, I think you can do great work um, up to let's say seventy millimeters. Uh, as far as your focus, as far as your your composition, it will work great. And what they specifically liked was the idea of using film photography for something that happened 100 years ago. Uh, on the other side, you also have to deliver. Um, so if you want to take a headshot of a guy that is like, say, 40, 50 meters from you, there's just no escaping. You're not going to do that with a rangefinder. It's not going to happen. Uh, and you have to use your glass on a, a mirrorless camera. Uh, you have some color shots, you have a different rendering, um, and the combination of the two makes that you have a nice mix that they can publish either in a review as in old style film photography, and you have some, some good pictures they can show um, of the commemoration itself. So it's a good com combination. It works. They were very happy. Um, they used some film shots for their regular publicity um, at the Canadian Forces Network. Um, so, oh no, it was a combination that made it. That they asked us. Yes, they did. Uh, I was in I was in Nijmegen um, this year for the four day march, which is a, a partly a military march. Uh, did some work there, and. You know, we talked and, and they basically came back and said, you know, can you join us and make some pictures? So they gave me the accreditation, the press card, blah, blah, blah. And I basically could go wherever I wanted. Now, this is at, you know, 100 meters from my house. So it's easy too for them and it's easy for me. So, yes, the combination works very, very, very well. So the, how you've just described that there, um, actually there were a couple of things that came out to me. When you were saying about range finders up to 70, 70 yeah. millimetres, I'm thinking, I can't think of any lenses out of, um, <laughs> um, other than 50 millimetre uh, up, up uh, between 50 and 70. I can only think of uh, 50. So I'm just slightly curious why you why you said 70 millimetres there, unless you, well, you, you've, you've got uh, another. A uh, 73, for instance, a Hector is a, is a range finder lens uh, from uh, Lights. Uh, 70, 80, 85, uh, you go to the sonar uh, in uh, RF coupled. But 85 is hard to shoot on film if you shoot at, like, say, four, f4, uh, f5.6 uh, to get it in focus and to have the speed. You know, it's, uh, it's realistic. You have to, you know, be really, really proficient in getting your focus right, especially on a Leica where your base, your rangefinder base, is still, you know, limited. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to do. You know, shooting a 85 Sonner at F2 and get your focus right 
It's a very, very difficult to do. And I think Johnny knows yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I can exactly. do it. And I've been shooting rangefinders forever. You know, yeah. it happens. You're, you're spot on. But it's a fact of life. Now, if you go to four, five, six, you need production too. I mean, let's be fair. You, you need to deliver pictures. Uh, if you deliver nothing, you have a problem. So it's got to be a mix. For, for me, uh, as a vivid uh, lover of uh, film, it still has to be realistic for what you deliver. I mean, that's number one. And you can say anything you want, and you can say, well, I do film, and I use Leica, and I use Rangefinder. But at the end, if there's no pictures, it's not going to happen. So you need a combination. For me, I need a combination of both. Well, the, the other thing you, you you said there, I mean, you well, it's actually just leading on from what you just said, and that's that you're using uh, mirrorless uh, for the for, yes. for the longer lenses. So, so you weren't, I mean, and you've also got, and you've always mentioned you 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 still have to produce, you know, and things yes. don't always work work out with 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 film, and you at least you know if you screwed up if you're using digital. <laughs> um, yes. So, so the. Were you exclusively using effectively two different focal lengths, or did you sometimes actually swap your lens on onto your uh, digital camera just to make sure you got that that shorter shot? Did that happen, yeah. or or did you not yes, do did. that? Yes, it did because um, I had a, a one point five fifty mil with me, and I used it for some headshots where I was really close, and I wanted the to have the perfect focus on it, and I used a Fuji a Fuji X. Uh, XT1 actually uh, to make it work. Hmm. If not, you, you know you can get the shot. Um, I had I think uh, 16 rolls, 36 exposures, uh, shot in two days. Um, of those 16, which is roughly what is it, uh, 500 shots or something, I came out with 200 in focus. Okay. Now, when I say in focus, it's it's in focus. I mean, it's not just off. No, it's in focus. Um, of those 200, 50 are keepers. Of the 50 keepers, I send 20. Uh, that's basically it. Now, if you take that on a digital camera, uh, I shot 500 shots in raw. Uh, 200 or keepers, easy. I mean, that's the reality of, of the way it is. Um, so you need them both. If you go back to your customer, you say, well, you know, but I use film. And they say, sure, that's really nice, but where are the pictures? <laughs> you know? yeah. That's the other side of photography. I'm sure we, we are all, we love our gear. We love, you know, we all love it. We want to touch it. We want to feel it. We want to play with it. But the customer wants to see his stuff. If it's not there, you got an issue. So, your low light, uh, lots of light. They don't care. <laughs> they don't. They don't look at the light and say, "Oh, our photographer is going to have a hard time because there's low light." No, it doesn't work like that. So it's a part of life. It's a part of, of doing the job. As far as I'm concerned, don't get me wrong. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, you gotta, go on. Yeah, you, you got to deliver. That I think that's the most important thing. If you deliver, uh, people will be happy. And you can uh, use film photography in a in a very nice and, and niche way. Uh, and you need, I need digital 
to get at the same level of somebody next to me shooting a D5 you know, with some serious glass on it, you know. So the, what's what interests me in this is the the photographs that you you were producing were very much in keeping with what you what you usually produce and, and yes and also do do for yourself as well. Um, is that something that's unusual? Because it sounds like it's an unusual thing to actually be able to go out and take the pictures that you enjoy taking for commercial reasons yeah. rather than just for fun. Is that is that an unusual thing for you to happen? Or uh, it seems to be an unusual thing to happen? Well, to be very fair, my, um, uh, my life isn't depending on photography. So my income is not... <laughs> Uh, next to me was a guy that I know. He's a professional. He works for a newspaper. He came in, uh, got out his Nikon, put a glass on it, made well, 60 shots because the Prince of Belgium was there. Uh, put it in the, his telephone, sent it over to his uh, newspaper, and he was done in 10 minutes. And I was there for five or six hours. You know, So if you want to make the money today, uh, as I say, you know, take a, a Nikon or a Canon or a Sony or whatever. Um, you cover the event, you send it to the newspaper, that's it. Now, that's not how I work. That's why people like what we do. Um, and I make a mix and they'll have the pictures the next day or two days after. So it's not newspaper. It's not fast news. But it does make it possible to use film photography in a professional manner. And that's what I like about it. It's good for you too. If you should, and people give you feedback as in customers, it helps you getting better shots because you have the real deal, you know, you have yeah. the customer and he pays and, and you know, it's not an awful lot, but still he pays. Well, that's that's the other side of things as well, and and this is where I think that uh, where you, that was a, a nice a nice gig that you got there because, or it sounds like it would be because, in many times from what I from what I hear, um, the, the the shots and this is actually I've been having a a, 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 a few discussions lately about this and um, it's quite common for the shots that the photographer takes and considers to be the best shot to, uh, can be mm -hmm. radically different from that of what the client actually wants or what the client actually thinks are the good shots. Uh, yes. Did you, did you experience that with this particular job or, uh, or was that something you've come um, across before? Yeah, there were some shots that I liked, uh, that I was surprised because there was no interest. Um, in fact, the three or four that I really liked, uh, didn't get interest at all. Um, the customer wasn't interested in it. Now, on the other hand, the people that were here that came from Canada to celebrate with us and came over for two weeks to Europe, Canadians, veterans, uh, they later ordered the pictures that I liked and basically said, can I have the picture in high res because I want to put it on the wall. Uh, being vets, being very nice people, Basically, I sell them for cost. You know, I send over the, the file in high res and they're eternally grateful for it. And that's that's fun. Now, I've been paid my expenses by the Canadians. So I can live with that as long as I keep even, break even on my cost versus my income. I'm okay with that. But again, my house is paid. Um, I'm not dependent on the income from my photography, which gives me 
great leeway to do what I like. But it doesn't have to go into, I will only do what I like. I have to also take in consideration the uh, requirements of the customer, which is very important. And it's a way of life. It's the way things are. Sure, I like to shoot a Hector at 1.9, 73 millimeters. On a, it's it's fantastic. But if I make you know 100 shots on it and I have two keepers, that's kind of you know too low. And the event is going on, and those are shots you you missed. They're gone. You know, can't do it twice. So yes, I, I walk around with two cameras. I had a, an XT1 hanging on my side with a 105 on it, Nikon. Um, what did I put on it? Well, I had some lenses with me, and, and I had my, my M6 uh, with a Zeiss on it, with a 28mm on it. Don't forget the crop factor of the Fuji. Mm. Um, so when I shoot 28 on my Leica, it's 28. If I shoot it on my Fuji, it's 36, right? Mm. So there's different things in consideration. And it was basically, I had like 20 films with me uh, and uh, a zillion batteries. <laughs> what do you think, Johnny? I mean, when, when I say it's hard to shoot, a, a, let's say an 85 F.2, you know, F2.0. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. I I would not even. Are we it, weird? I, no, I would not <laughs> even. That's that's when I'm. That's when I use an SLR. I mean, yeah. To me, to me, seventy seventy five is the, the the last usable focal length on a rangefinder. Yeah. I I mean, I would never even buy an eighty millimeter or a ninety. You know, yeah. I just I, I, I can't I can't imagine. <laughs> it's just, it's a long ways, you know. Yeah, yeah. Besides yeah. the you know, you, you're working in a view optical viewfinder. Right. Uh, you got your your thingy on top of your camera. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah. Exactly. It's hard to do. Yeah. Now give me a 28, 28 mil all day long. You know. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, it's just yep. hard to do. And and I am amazed at all these people that shoot their lenses wide open and always get the in focus shot because I don't. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know, but these guys have something I don't have. Now, I'm old, so maybe my eyes, but still, you know. And you have to be fast, too. And I'm pretty fast with my rangefinders. Yeah. But, you know, F2 is, 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 is F2, you know. Oh, yep. <laughs> well, I did, I, did a, I did a bit of shooting with, with my M2. I still haven't actually developed the roll of film yet. It's still in the camera, but uh -huh. I tried to do a bit of street shooting at F2 with an 85 uh, nickel Ooh. on it. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard what you've just said there. It, it, my, my chances of actually pulling, pulling those shots off are, are pretty slim by the sounds of it. Well, you know, you're learning and, and I'm learning and we're learning every day. Um, but for me, talking to other people and, and, you know, seasoned professionals, it's just very, very hard to do. And I see most people closing down to 5.6, uh, 4.0 um, when they shoot on film. And as Johnny says very, you know, he's right. That's why I use an SLR. Because what you see is what you get. And that's a big difference. You know, it's a, it's a different viewfinder. It's a different way of working. Um, and it works, you know. You, I can put a two hundred mil on on a on a Nikon, and I'm spot on. You know, not always, but most of the time. 
And that's the way classic lenses work. And that's the downside. It's not for nothing that, you know, 95% of the people use autofocus. And why not? So you got you to gotta bring something to the table that's worth it for the customer. Now, if, if you're just shooting for your own pleasure, don't worry about it. You know, do whatever you want. It doesn't make a difference. Um, and I do that too. And I miss shots. But once you have something that goes outside, you, you have to produce the quality of the picture. Especially in these days where an iPhone can do it. I mean, why can't I do it? If I sell myself and I say I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I can't beat an iPhone, I mean, you know, it's not going to happen. You know, the customer's going to say, no, thank you. You just said, said something that just triggered something with me. And that's yeah. when you, you say, like, you know, uh, using an SLR and um, and, you, and, a, and a long lens, and uh, you're, you're more likely to get 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 it uh, get it get it sharp. But I've I've noticed when I when I use film and I and I don't quite nail the focus. Yeah. It's it's I just view it as well. That's a shame. It's just one of those things. And sometimes the the, the shot still actually has something about it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's still good enough. Um, whereas when I when I misfocus on digital, I'm hugely annoyed. It really yeah. stresses me out. I think, you know, whether the shot's particularly good or not, it just really annoys me that I haven't quite nailed the focus. I don't know why that is, but, you know, between the two media. Yeah, and then, you know, on film, it sometimes works. Yeah. Uh, because something else is in focus or in the composition, it just works out. However, the customer is more uh, inclined to say, okay, it works in film and deny the validity of the shot in uh, digital. And believe me, the customer knows. He sees it, he feels it, and he'll tell you. And if the shot is not in focus, I mean, the best, the way I do it is I show my pictures to my wife. And then, <laughs> and then she goes, huh. And I show the shot and he goes, huh. Now, <laughs> if she goes, huh, it means no good. That's it. And she doesn't care about cameras or you know, film or digital or whatever, you know, she just takes a look at the shot. She likes it. She says, yeah, nice. And most of the time it's in perfect focus. And we know it, but we don't want to admit it that it's out of focus because the shot is great. And we're all weak. That's not, <laughs> we can admit to that. And if we have a great shot and, you know, we know and on 36 exposures, we have this one or two that we're really looking forward to it. You know, it's a great shot and it was all there. And then you come home, you develop it, you look at the negative, it's drying, you think it's there, you know, it's there. You're excited, you scan it and it's out of focus. It's nasty. You feel bad, you know, and that's all, that's the way it is. And don't, think that the old masters didn't have that problem you know they all had you just don't see the shots i think that's that's something you were talking about uh, johnny a while ago when you when you saw some contact sheets um yeah. somewhere where yeah. just so many you know so-called amazing photographers um well, oh yeah not just, not just so-called but they really were amazing photographers but their their hit rate right. wasn't as good as you might think now no nobody's hit rate is as good as they think it is. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. I, I, no, I mean, I, I think we've, we've kind of talked on this before. I mean, if, 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 on film, if you miss focus by a little bit, the grain kind of covers everything up enough that it, it still looks good because there's something holding it together. But on digital, it just 
to me, I think it just doesn't work. I mean, if it's out of focus just a little, you see it because everything's so sharp and it's just, it's really unforgiving. You know, you could, and I just, just, there's a lot of really famous film photos that are vastly out of focus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there really are. So I, you know, if you look around and you'll see them, I mean, a lot of Br- Cartier Brisson photos are out of focus. It's not that uncommon. It's just a different medium. That's all. Yeah. And, and the customer can live with it. Yeah. Uh, but you need a backup. You need some shots that they can Definitely. put on their page number three and say, this is the general two star or whatever. Yeah. And it's got to be in focus. That's it. You know, you don't miss those shots. The Prince of Belgium gets out of the car, security is everywhere, blah, blah, blah. I need to get the shot. <laughs> so I don't get the shot. The customer's going to say, you don't have the shot. I say, no, don't have the shot. You know, it doesn't work. And it's fun about being a photographer too. You know, gets the adrenaline going. You you're ready. You're prepared. You check whether you got enough film in your camera. He's he's getting out of the car. You're at you know what is it? Uh, Twenty feet. You put on the one thirty five and you go. You know <laughs> you go. And once you have the shot, you're okay. And you have the shot once you scan it and you see it, it's okay. And I think I published a picture of this uh, Prince uh, Laurent. Is his name. Um, and yes, that's all you need. Now, the other shots are nicer. I like them better. They they tell more of a story. But without the shot of the man, you don't get the recognition that you are looking for. It's way of life. Yeah. Well, okay, let's... Uh... Let's have a, a change of scenery now. We're, sure. go, we're going to take you away from uh, from Mons in in Belgium, yeah. and uh, we're going to put you on a boat. Um, yes. The problem is this: this boat is the SS Tessar, uh, which is uh, doomed, um, doomed. As, uh, as as it should be with a name like that. And um, and so the the SS Tessar is now capsized and uh, and it sank and gone to the bottom of the sea because of a freak wave, and you've been washed ashore on a, an incredible island um, with just about every photographic opportunity available to you, including people shots. There are people there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, this is this is now going to be your life, uh, just just taking photos. And uh, this island has a fully equipped and powered dark cave and uh, solar powered uh, computer running your preferred uh, processing software. And you also have a selection of lens adapters and such. Um, and then this trunk washes up um, aside you, and it has uh, two camera bodies of your choice, whatever they whatever you wish them to be. And there are also three lenses in there. And these are three lenses which are from your collection. These are lenses that you own. Um, and you just happen to have chosen them for, for this potential eventuality. So uh, what, what are those lenses and uh, why, have you, why have you picked them? Well, okay, I'm ready. So my first lens um, that, like you say, I have is the Leica M Elmar 50mm 2.8. And it is a continuation of the famous Elmar 3.5 collapsible uh, that was first produced in 1926. Um, it's not a sonar, true, but it has some other stuff to it. First of all, uh, it's an incredibly sharp lens. It's just boom, right on. When you use it on a rangefinder, the focus throw of the lens is very short. 
so you can work real fast with it. Second, it's only weighing 170 grams, so it's tiny. I think the only thing that is uh, smaller is the uh, 40 mil Leica 2.0, which is a 40 millimeter, and not all Leica cameras have the 40 meter, millimeter uh, frame lines, right? Now, they made the lens from 26 to 1961 uh, as an LMR 50mm 3.5 collapsible, right? They made 380,000, which is a lot of lot of pieces. So you can still get it. And it's not too expensive, right? It will cost you phew, 150 euros, maybe less if you find it at a local flea market. 1957... To 1972, they produced an Elmar 50 2.8. So the old collapsible tiny little thing went out and back came a little bit improved and better Elmar M. Now, this is called just the Elmar 50mm 2.8. I think it is a Tessar design, as far as I can see. They made 65,000 of those. Prices are going 200 250 on eBay. And then... In 1994, they come with a special edition M6. I think it was the M6J. And they produced 40 Elmar M lenses. And they were vastly popular with Leica users. Uh, so what Leica did, they produced from 96 to 2007 uh, this lens again. And it became hugely popular. It's tiny. It's small, it has great image quality. It's sharp as hell once you stop it down to f.4. I mean, it's a great lens. I paid 400 euros for it. Now you have to search. They'll go on eBay for 600, 650, uh, uh, 500, but you can find them. And it's a great lens to work with. I use it a lot in um, Bulgaria, actually. Uh, it's tiny, it, it's collapsible, so you put it back into your rangefinder. And it's it's a great lens. It's it's a sleeper from Leica. It's not the Summicron, it's not the 1.4 that you'll pay like, you know, used a thousand, thousand two hundred. No, you can get it at four, four fifty, and you'll have some really amazing quality. And I think it's a sleeper lens. People are not looking at it, and that's a shame. So that's my first lens. What do you guys think? Okay, well, I've I've had the 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 LTM version of that, uh, mm -hmm. the, the collapsible LTM version with a uh, Leica three G, yeah, and uh, which uh, actually I sold that last week with the uh, with it went the it went as a as a as a pair, and um, I've got to admit I did actually enjoy that lens, um, yeah, and uh, and I've used it. Um, yeah, I, I used it. I shot two rolls of film, I think, with the, with with that camera, and uh, and the shots the shot the shots were good. There's no, no no two ways about it. But I've also used that lens on on my Sony as well, and I took it with me to uh, just on a, a day trip, uh, a seaside day trip uh, to North Wales, a place called Talica. And there's some nice formations around the beach and in the dunes and things like that. And uh, and I, I had that lens and I, I had it on a on a helicoid, and I stopped stopped it down a little bit. Actually, I think I was using it wide open as well. I was using it where, wherever it was appropriate. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure whether it was just if it was the the lens or the light was just 
great on that day. But every shot that they took um, couldn't fault it. Uh, they had a it had a good look to it. It wasn't it was they were sharp, but they weren't clinical. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, I've only really got good things to say but it's probably one of the few tessars on 35 mil i have got good things to uh to, to say about um because yeah it really it really delivered for me yeah it does and and they recomputed and put a new coating on in 96 uh it has a small lens hood um that you have to buy you know additional of course like all leica stuff it's expensive it's uh too expensive often it is um, but it is a little sleeper lens, and it's great, and it opens the door for modern glass on a rangefinder from Germany, from Leica, for many people because four hundred dollars is doable. You know, it's not, you know, the twelve hundred bucks Sumi Kron version two, three, four, five. Uh, it's just a great lens, mm -hmm. and um, I enjoyed it tremendously. And I don't want to sell it. I have the Sumi Kron. Uh, I have the version five. It's it's fantastic, and sure, it it it. Everybody tells me it's better and sharper. You know, guess what? I don't see it. <laughs> I just mm -hmm. I just don't see it, and and yeah. that's you know, Johnny. You know what I mean? Some things. Oh yeah. Be, you know, I mean, six hundred dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. Days, there's days I don't have it in my pocket. I can tell you that. Right. <laughs> so it's a great lens, I, in my opinion. In my opinion, have you used it, Johnny? Um, I've messed around with them at the shop. I don't. Yeah. I don't own. I don't own one. I mean, I I don't really shoot a lot of fifty millimeter rangefinder, mostly yeah. thirty five. So, um, but I mean, they're beautiful little lenses, and some of the some of those um, those nickel Elmars are they weigh a ton. <laughs> I mean, they're they're gorgeous little lenses, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. If if you shoot a rangefinder, right? Even yeah. an M, if you buy an M, an M3, and you buy one at, say, at $700 from grandma down the street, or 600 or whatever, and you buy a little Elmar, you have like a glass on there, and it does yeah. make a difference. I, I published some shots of the Elmar 3.5 um, last year, I think, on, on, the, on the Facebook group. They're great. They really are. Uh, they're not easy. You have to, you know, adapt the aperture on the lens itself. You know, the little small ones. But hey, you know, at 150 euros, come on, that, that's yeah. a pretty good deal. And it's it's very classic. You know, <laughs> I mean, how how classic can you get? So for me, it's it's you have different issues. You have the, the first one. You have the second one. You have the third one. You can pick and choose. Um, it's it's a great sleeper lens from Leica. Well, that's that's the other thing as well when you talk when you talk about versions because I've got the, um, it's, it's well, it's sort of the first version. It's not the very very first version of the uh, Sumicron, um, mm. fifty mils Sumicron. Was that was a, a radioactive one, and I've got the one that came immediately after that. Yeah, the version and, two. Yeah, and uh, it was if you compare that lens to the uh, to the to the Elmar. Uh, that I had uh, the the look is very very different uh, between the two of them, uh, including when stopped yes. down, and I think that the the Sumicron uh, or my Sumicron had a has got a look that's more vintage uh, yeah. than the, than that Tessar. The Tessar is, has a more modern look about it. It's uh, sharper across the frame and and all of those things. So, uh, which is actually probably one of the reasons why I've, I've, I 
I kept the, uh, the, the the Sumicron, to be honest, because the, the Sumicron's got more yeah. of a signature uh, than, than the Elmar, in my view. If I were first to choose between this, uh, the Sumicron or the Elmar, the Elmar goes. I mean, it's that simple. Um, because I don't want to lose out on, on the Sumicron. It's a classic, you know. It's, it's one of these things that if you want to spot it for a good price, you keep it. Um, but I have to also be honest, and I use the little Elmar more. Mm. I don't use it all the time, um, but it just works. And like I say, you have three versions. The first one, which is the little tube. The second one, which is the, uh, it looks like the more modern lens, comes in, in LTM and in M. And then you got the, the third one, which is called the Elmar-M. That's the last one. And that one is, is obviously the best one. Okay, well, before we go on to your, your next lens choice, I think we okay. should uh, touch upon the two, the two cameras that you're going to be using these lenses with. Okay. So uh, do you want to explain the, which, which cameras you brought with us? And, uh... I'll be more than happy. Yeah. I'll be more than happy. The first camera I take with me is a Leica M6. Uh, why? Because I can shoot RF on it. It's small. It's what I've been using for lots of years um it's rigid it works and i like the i like the light meter i shoot a lot of you know cameras without light meter um it works uh but in some circumstances i just like the light meter um it's affordable uh it doesn't break down it <laughs> it always performs it doesn't need batteries it just works if i'm out of the battery I can shoot it manual. There's no problem with it. Um, if I have a light meter, it just helps me, you know. Uh, and it gives me the opportunity to use all my LTM stuff I like. Um, it's a fun camera. It's a film camera. Uh, it's what I like. It's what I use. So that's my first one. It's, I, it's I, kind I of just, an easy one. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, just thinking about you saying there about, about uh, light meters and, yeah. and, uh, and, and the M6. And, the M, and that was, I'm not sure if the M5 also had a light meter or not. I can't remember. Yeah, it but, did. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, the, you, I, I just wonder sometimes when, when people are, are talking about cameras, especially Leicas, and you get some people that gravitate to, to one version or another, and, and you sometimes detect a certain amount of... Um, uh, almost distaste for likers with uh, light meters from 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 some people. And, yeah. uh, I just just wonder what your you if you've experienced that, what your view might be on that. Well, I don't like it. I think you go into the Leica purist uh, total madness. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, you know, it's it's there where people start paying ten thousand dollars for. Uh, something really weird and, and special. Um, it's more of a collector's thing. And for those of us that don't have a light meter, we will say, yeah, I'm a real photographer. I don't use a light meter. Well, guess what? I am a photographer. I like using a light meter. You know, that's it. And it's easy. It helps me. I can use my uh, exposure comp better. Gives me good indication. I work fast. So... Looking at light, I change a lot when there's sun out. I, I have to know what's in the shadow, what is not. A face can give me a different light than, than a uh, than a overview of, of of whatever's happening. It just is an extra, and I enjoy using it. <laughs> 
and it's easy. I mean, we don't have to make it more difficult to be more like a, you know. I mean, this this idea that, um, you know, oh, yeah, we shouldn't like her because that's real photography. That's bull. For me, it's bullshit. It doesn't work like that. You produce the shots, and if the shots are nice, that's great. If you've done that with a Zorky or with a God knows what, Nikon D3, whatever, uh, the customer doesn't care. But I care because I like the process, but that's a different story. And sure, I take out a non-metered camera and, 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 and train myself. Sure. And I enjoy it. Leica is a nice thing to have. It's like airco in a car conditioning. You know, you don't need it, but damn, it's nice <laughs> when it's hot outside. It's the same thing. It doesn't mean that your car without air conditioning is a better car. No, it isn't. So this, this thought that to be like a purist, you have to... You know, oh yeah, shoot the M2 or the M3 or the M4, and you know this is real stuff and it has brass. And you know, yeah, sure, I paid six thousand extra dollars to have a brass camera. Well, great for you, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I prefer to spend that money on, on my family, my kids, my my another lens. There's limits to everything. Do I like it to have a, a, a black M2? Sure. Do I want to pay thirteen thousand dollars? No. It's the way it works. There's a lot of collectors out there. They'll pay the price. More power to him. Yeah, I, 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 I pretty much agree with you there. Um, okay. I mean, my general thought is I, I, I like any kind of aids uh, with a with with a camera. If a camera yeah. doesn't have any whatsoever, then that's just how the camera is, and and you, yeah. you, you work with 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 what it's got. But if if something's capable of doing more things for you, and you can use those things, and they're going to benefit you, then why not use them? Yeah, on the other side, I agree with Johnny when he takes out his Canon, a Canon P that is a great camera, great build, uh, easy to work with. Um, it doesn't have a light meter. It doesn't distract. It doesn't do anything you don't want it to do. It's a great experience. That's it. And if it would have a light meter, would there be a reason for you, Johnny, not to buy it? Uh, no, no, not. A, I mean, oh. it, it would not detract from the decision. No, but I mean, I, you know, I, I don't shoot any of that. That stuff is purely for my own enjoyment. So I yeah. have no, you know, I have no, I have no extra need for the meter. And I, I just like metering off the camera anyway, but I wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't, it wouldn't detract that from my decision to use the camera. Although I would suspect that if it had a meter, well, I have, I have, I have, I'm looking at three of them behind me on the shelf, Canon 7S, <laughs> uh, rangefinders with meters, none of which I ever use. So, oh, well, so there you go. And none of them have a battery even in the meter. So, <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, no, have, no, it's fine. I have but, a like a flex and I love it, you know, and it's yeah. non-metered and right. it works it, fine. Yeah. It's just the P wouldn't be a p if it yeah. had a meter that's the thing yeah. that's i guess that's what i'm trying to say it would be a different <laughs> camera absolutely right. and i agree it's like right. an M- m2 with a motor winder you know just, yeah oh no it's not it's, it's not for us Johnny. it's not for no, us no. <laughs> oh no no i agree 100 there and <laughs> like people sometimes go overboard they just think you know when we're pur- purist we're like better and that's not yeah I I I'll be honest. I I don't have a like a M camera unless I can talk Simon into trading me his M two for a bunch <laughs> of lenses and stuff. I I don't know what I'm gonna have one anytime soon. But if I was to get, I'll be honest. If I was to get a 
a Leica um, M camera and I could choose any one, it would, <laughs> it might even be an M7. Cause if I'm going to have a light meter, yeah. then I also want aperture priority. Absolutely. Not, I agree. Yep. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, cause then it's really fast. Then it's yes. like, now the, now I'm not just chasing the meter around. I'm not chasing, yeah. you know, the right, the right settings with my aperture and shutter. I'm just going to let the camera fill in one of the blanks. I'm perfectly, I'd be perfectly yeah. happy to do that. And that's why I have a nice icon set them. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. The wonderful camera. I use it. It's fast. It's funny. It's, it's, yeah. it's light. It has everything you want to until yeah. it breaks down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're basically fucked. Right. Excuse my language. But I, I would I would rather have that camera honestly than any yeah. M camera. Yeah, that, and I agree. That, yeah. I agree and I bought one and I used it and I love it and it's great and uh but why don't I bring it to the desert island because the desert island has sand. <laughs> yeah. It ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a Hexor RF which is a great camera too. And yeah. they all work. They all yeah. work. And they're not that expensive, and they give me the, the great results. Uh, as far as the M6, great camera. And not for nothing, one of the best cameras that basically saved Leica, you know. Mm -hmm. Canada saved Leica Germany. Mm -hmm. Canada continued to, to produce the M, the M6, where Germany was in, in the realm of the, you know, yeah. the, the Leica flex, you know, that they were losing money on big, big, big time. So M6, classic camera, great thing. Okay, well, that's that's one of your two cameras. And what's your second camera? Ah, my second. Um, I've been a long-time user or aficionado of digital cameras. And why? Because you can adapt the glass. As we all do, that's what, what our group is all about. And, and uh, However, using a crop can be very satisfactory and, and can be very good because you can get longer shots, um, great resolution, However, the Sony a7 II, well known to many shooters, I think, in the group, has dropped in Europe to 949 euros. Texas in there, shipping in there with an extra battery, um, a, a nice carrying cage, and a memory card for 949. You can't beat that. You know, there's just no way. It's a full frame camera. Uh, great for adapting lenses, and that's what I'm going to take with me to the island. Now, actually, it's coming in in two days. Uh, I ordered it. It's on its way. Nine hundred and forty-nine dollars or euros, excuse me, for that for that camera, including taxes. You know, including delivery here to my house, including five years of extended warranty. You can't beat it. There's just no way. So I bought one. Yes. Uh, I, I got one in you know coming in, and well, that's the one I take. Well, I, th I think John would be p uh, particularly pleased uh, for you there because uh, John is a long time advocate for Sony cameras and uh, and uh, <laughs> and the fact that you can't take uh, decent pictures on anything other than the Sony that that is correct, isn't it, Johnny? Have I paraphrased that correctly? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's that's what we do in photography with classic lenses on Sony cameras. I mean, that's you know that's the whole point of the group. Absolutely. <laughs> On the other side, Johnny, you know, and, and we talked about this before, underneath $1,000 for that camera, that's a pretty, good, pretty sweet deal, you know. Yeah? Yeah. No, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. You get a full-frame camera, uh, which includes the full-frame benefits, uh, unthinkable three, four years ago. 
you know, I looked at uh, full frame cameras, basically what, what, what there was, you know, there was no, until Sony came out with a full frame, it was crop. It was M43, 43, which I used, um, and it was unworkable uh, at, at lower light. That was my biggest problem. Here, now I can use all my glass on a full frame, which is going to give me a totally new perspective on the glass that I have. I think it's it's also worth. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm, I, I have a A7 uh, Mark II, and I've had one for over three years, and yeah. I'm been very very pleased with that. And I've uh, managed to resist uh, any the, the the pressure to upgrade, um, largely because I can't afford to. <laughs> but, uh, but even if I could, um, I'm I'm not convinced um, that I would get enough of a benefit for how much money I've got, I would have to shell out and how much money I would lose on my on my on my camera. But um, it's, it's interesting. I'm hearing more and more good things uh, in particular about one of the two uh, new new members of the mirrorless uh, full frame uh, market and that being the uh, the Nikon uh, Z6 and Z7. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's going to be interesting. Uh, I know Cole um, was was telling me the, uh, the other day that he's uh, tried an, a, a Z6 or a Z6 as it is over there, um, spelt differently over there. You see, and yeah. um, and uh, he was very he was impressed by it. Um, some of the buttons were in strange places, but then again, I think if you if you were used to a Nikon camera, then you wouldn't be saying that. And um, but he was particularly impressed with the uh, the electronic viewfinder on it as well. And so, uh, so yeah. So he was, he was, uh, he was, he was very positive towards that camera, and uh, I'm expecting good things from that. Although it's going to be a reasonable amount of time before we start to see uh, adapters um, coming onto the market. So uh, I, I guess us classic lens users are going to have to wait a little bit longer to, before we see what those those new cameras can do. I think if I could choose between the uh, ergonomics of the Nikon or even the Canon uh, for the same price. I would go for the camera, hmm. you know, simple as that. Um, the the quality, the image quality, I don't think is, is drastically different. Uh, even Canon or, or Nikon might be better in image quality. I don't know. I have nothing against Nikon and nothing against Canon. Uh, I think they, they, they're great cameras. Now, price-wise, it's a different story, you know. That's basically it. And I've seen the, the glass, the, the, the AF glass on those, on those cameras. That is some heavy duty, serious dollar stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. um, let's be fair. Yeah. Uh, so, as for now, I, I think Sony's going to come out with new stuff. Um, I actually, I, I did talk to the uh, to one of the big guys in, in here in the, the Benelux in Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. And oh yeah, they'll they'll come out with some new stuff. Don't forget, they're the biggest sensor producer in the world. Um, and at the end, we as photographers, we look at the, the rendering of, of the lens. You know, that's it. Their autofocus is, is brilliant. Um, and, and Nikon and Canon were too late to the market, the way it is. Now, let's see what they're going to do, because they're not finished. You know, no way. They make some fantastic cameras. Um, but hey, you pay the price. Yeah. And guess what? I just don't have their money, you know. Don't have it. Well, I think it's it's exciting times to come, and I, and I think 
yeah, there are, as you say, there there are, there are more things to come, and uh, and of course, there's also Panasonic as well, who've got oh, yeah, a, yeah. a lot of uh, you know a huge amount of experience in the mirrorless market as well. So when yes. they land next year, that will be very interesting as well. Yeah, I saw some rumors on their pricing. Uh, I was like, whoa, that was big time dollars. You know, we'll see. Yeah. You yeah. don't know, you know, and and the more the better. That's what I say. If they come out with more stuff. The market will regulate and the market will dictate. I, I believe in that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. so we know what cameras you've got. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm guessing for the most part you'd be using that Tessar on your so Elmar on your uh, on your your Leica M6. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, so tell us about lens two. Ah, lens two. In 1950s in Japan, um, there was a company called Sankyo Koki Komura. Um, they were uh, a little bit of the high-end uh, vivitor of the days in Japan. Uh, and they made some pretty awesome stuff. And what they did, they produced a 28-millimeter LTM-coupled 3.5 LTM, again, six-element, um, four-group lens, uh, which is the uh, Komura 28 3.5. It's a great lens. It is fantastic. It's small. It's light. It's 28 mil. It's sharp. It's fun. It's all you want. And whether you use it on digital or on film, it both works. Gives you great results. It's typical 1950s rendering. And Johnny, for you, it, it, it's just like the Canon uh, RF 28 2.8. Yeah. Great lens. Yeah. Great lens, and, and you can find them. And that's what I tried for this episode, to come with some lenses that are, you know, it's easy to pick a Summicron 35 2.0 at 2,000 euros, right? No, this lens you can pick up at, when you're lucky, 250 300 $350. And they're great. They, they're absolutely fantastic for black and white. Don't do mm -hmm. color with them, mm -hmm. you know, just stay away. But if you like black and white, it's a great, great lens. For a great price, 28 mil is very hard. Costs a lot of money. And this one beats them all. I have two. I, I got a second one, and, and it works absolutely magical. Oh, I'm a big fan of that lens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kimura, 28 mil, 3.5. I've, I've never come across a, a, a Kimura um, LTM lens yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, generally speaking, I think the the, the most of them, un unsurprisingly, are coming out of Japan uh, when you when yeah. you see these things. Um, but I've I've probably mentioned it before. I've, I've I went through a phase on Kimura lenses, um, <laughs> uh, uh, which were largely S well, they were all SLR lenses, and then you then have the uh, the later Super Kimura or Kimura nons. Um, yes, yes, they also have a twenty eight. They do. It's, bi it's big. It, it, I it have is. it. It's big. It's huge. <laughs> In fact, I think I think that goes along with all the Kimura SLRs, SLR, Kimura Kimura non SLRs, which also have got a, their own um, interchangeable mount system as well. Oh my God, the, that's the nightmare. <laughs> that is the absolute nightmare. And we're talking, we, you know, the the mount that is. Let me see because I wrote that down. That is some crazy stuff. Um, let me see because I prepared this. Ooh, it's called an M58 mount, and that's nasty. 
because the N58 <laughs> is they made a unidapter. I swear to the Lord up in the heavens, it's called a unidapter. Mm-hmm. That thing you put on the lens, and then from there you can go to Canon, you can go to Nikon, you can go to M42. I mean, the idea is great, right? Mm-hmm. Try to find an adapter for it. You know. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's yeah. bad. Yeah. It's it's not it, it's it's not it wasn't not as as successful even as the as the you know the the Takina the T four and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean it wasn't it wasn't as successful. It never caught on as well. So that's no. that's it's really hard to find stuff. And I, I mean it, I, yeah. I asked you, Johnny. I said yeah. Have, I mean the yeah. shop known yeah. for it. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. I no. put it on on the vintage camera collection thing. I put it on you know I'm looking for. I put it everywhere. People were looking at me like, you know, he's from outer space. You know, what is this? Yeah. It's an adapter. <laughs> yeah. And I can't find it. And they say, oh, yeah, but you, you got to buy the lens to get the adapter. I say, okay, show me the lens. Because sometimes they're like $40. <laughs> right. I just don't find it. And they have all kinds of weird voodoo shit with that stuff. You know, it's a different one and blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't fit. And blah. And it's it's a nightmare but that's i i get to that i get to that that's it's it's still on on you know on hold for my third lens but yeah so just 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 going back to that that interchangeable because are we talking about the the super camurons now or are we talking about the earlier lenses when you talk about earlier yeah uh, camura yeah yeah, because the later ones they i mean they they obviously thought there's something in this because they carried on yeah. Uh, because the, yeah, yeah. the the super commuters, uh, commuronons, um, they also had an interchangeable system, yes. but it's it's not the same as uh, no. the older ones, and it's it's a more. I mean, those lenses are actually relatively modern looking lenses as, as well. Um, but and 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 to to be fair, of, of the commuters that I've I mean, I've had several, but it's it's the later ones that I've actually thought were, were particularly good um you know it's, it, and the the ones i've tried have been uh, the 135 and the the 304.5 um which i found to be as good as any of the um the main makers um but you just yeah. don't see you don't see them very often at all and they they're usually you know really un, underpriced uh, yeah they're underpriced for what they are although uh, the two lenses I'm talking about, they both got pretty average uh, minimum focus distances, which sort of yeah. puts you off them a little bit. But other than that, I just find them to be you know, really, really good lenses. Yeah, and, and the, the 28 mils is an LTM coupled lens. It's easy. Um, it, it it can be found. Don't don't you know watch eBay and look at six, seven, eight hundred dollars for it because no way. Mm. Uh, if you look at sold, you'll see them at 350, 400, you know, kind, that kind of stuff. Uh, you can find them. They're there. Uh, like I say, I have two. So they're out there. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> they're just <coughs> great lenses. They're fun. And they make great pictures uh, for a good price. Again, 28 mil. Don't forget, you know, that's, that's a hard uh, distance, a hard uh, focus uh, mm-hmm. distance to get. It's uh, yep. focal length. That's what I wanted to say. It, it's in Leica. It's expensive. <coughs> I have the um, the M. Uh, what is it? Two point eight twenty twenty eight from Leica. That's an expensive, big, big ass lens. You know, with a solar, with a sun cap. That's like you know, it's a tent. You know, you can't work <laughs> with it. You know, it's huge. Have you have you seen the new? Um... Uh, twenty eight five six, Eric. It's the 
they yeah. re-released the the an M mount version of it. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had the yeah. we had the LTM version at the shop. The old one. Yeah, and yeah. It, and 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 I took some test shots with it, and it, it's tiny. I mean, it's tinier yes. than it's tinier than an old Elmar collapsed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, tiny, yeah, and it's and you know you look at it, you think, oh, five point six, but. It's 5.6 because it's not overcorrected like crazy, and the shots are just gorgeous out of it. Absolutely. And it, Absolutely. it vignettes like crazy, but it works, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, there, I mean, there's another one that the M-mount version that they just re-released is like, I don't know, $2,800 yes. or something like that. Crazy. So it's, you know. <laughs> it's, like, so it's like, you know, there's no way, you know, that's five yeah. vacation, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. my son will be without food for two years. You know, it's just, <laughs> right. and we know Junior needs to eat. Junior needs to eat. <laughs> Junior is fifteen. He plays water polo. You know, <laughs> Junior is developing some serious muscle here. No, I, twenty-eight. I cannot go back to Sophie and say, "Darling, yes, I bought a lens." She says, "Great, yeah, I bought a lens." Oh yeah, so you bought? It? Yeah, I bought a lens. How much did you pay for twenty eight hundred? I'll miss a testicle the next day. You know, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> She'll eat that shit for lunch. This is no way. I don't know about other people. That's me. You know, I just don't have it. I have yeah. heating bills and insurance shit and and all that stuff. I'm a normal person. You know. <laughs> and then I see people. They all go, "Oh yeah, I found this like M for two dollars on the on the." I say, "Yeah, sure. You know, great." Where's the other stuff that you overpaid? You know, I never see yeah. it. <laughs> I never see the cameras that they bought for two hundred dollars and was a piece of shit. No, I don't. I have those. You know, I have lenses. They come in, I buy them, and they're a piece of shit. So that's it. Do I resell them? No, because they're a piece of shit. So, yeah, I can't have twenty eight hundred dollars <laughs> bill. You know, my, my credit card doesn't even go that far. You know, what can I do? No, there's no way. There's no way. And and you know, I don't care about. You know, if you look at the offerings today and you look at like a Sony A9, right? Who needs 24 shots a second if you yeah. just like photography? Right. I mean, God. Now, if you are a personal friend of Tiger Woods, sure. You know, <laughs> you buy two. You know, he doesn't care. But, you know, it just, no, it doesn't work. It's just not, it's not doable. It is not doable. For me, it is not. And, and like I say, I make a little bit of money. I get my expenses paid. That is not, you know, big time. Hello, come in. You know, no way. I just don't have the money for it. That's it. Yep. And that's the truth, you know. And for most of us, we have kids and we have families and we have bills and we have stuff to pay. And at the end of the month, we're very happy that it's all paid. Yep. At least I am. Okay, well, okay. Uh, on the on that point, let's uh, let's talk about your the final lens that you've brought with you. Well, I, I got the fourth one because I, I read there was a bonus. Oh, third, third. Well, there is a third. Yeah, there is a, there is a third. Yeah, for the yeah. third, I have a special one, and it is the. Are you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Pentax M Star three hundred millimeter f four point zero. Made in 1981 till 1984, got eight blades, eight elements, seven groups. It's a Pentax M star lens, which means it's great, basically. I can tell you that lens is something else. It's not too expensive. You can pick them up for $500, 600 
sure, it's a lot of money. You have to look for it. But for 300 mil, that is absolutely sharp. I mean, the thing is you know, unreal. And it's the greatest teller lens that I have. So you're going to be taking take pictures of the people on the other island well, across I'm the way or what? I'm taking it with me as an insurance <laughs> policy, Johnny. Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> it's my insurance. <laughs> it's not all too big. Um, I don't do bird uh, photography. I'm just not into it. You know, I look at a bird that's gone and I say, okay, that's a, that's fine with me. Um, but it's, it's fun. It's it's a great focal length, and you can do portraits with that thing. They're amazing. I think the minimal focus is four meters. Uh, it gives you an out of focus um, part that is that is absolutely stunning. Um, and sure, you know, you three hundred millimeters is a lot. You know, it's a lot. And at f four, if you close it down yeah. at f five six, it's amazing. You know. It's it's really some, and I'm looking forward to put that thing on the on the Sony A7 because I've seen it on film. I've used it on the on the Fuji. It's like a 450 millimeter whooping, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's unreal, you know, and it works. And I just thought it was a great lens to to take with me to the island and to also present to the listeners because it's something different. You know, we don't see a lot of them. We don't see a lot of longer focal ranges. Um, and this is one that that needs some attention, some 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 love there because it's a great lens. Is it easy to get wow. now? Yeah. So uh, the question um, I've got on that one then is because I'm, I'm just on eBay at the moment. Yeah. I'm just trying to find these, and the only sure. M, the only M star I can actually find on there is for Pentax six four five. Yeah. Actually, that's a green star, not an M star. But uh, um, well, green can... star. I think it's the same thing. Green star, M star. I'm not all the way sure, you know. But uh, the M for the six four five is a different lens. You also have them in. Uh, I have to think now. The D mount and, and there's different M star labeled lenses from Pentax. Yeah, but so, I mean, an yeah, and I'm I'm struggling to see uh, an, an M star in in K mount. I mean, there are plenty. Yeah. Of three hundred f4s on there, um, and it could be that some of them aren't actually just just simply aren't labelled, possibly as as M star or. I, I haven't seen one lately. Um, the last time I saw one was a couple of months ago because I have one of these searches running on it, uh, just by interest. Uh, I found one now, and uh, yeah, and it, it's it's quite different uh, when you when you look at this compared to the. Uh, the the regular, um, just to say it, because there is a a normal K mount three hundred f four, and then you get the yeah. uh, the green star lens, and yeah. you you, the, you can tell the difference immediately. Yeah. Um, obviously, it it looks more like what you would expect to see as a um is a is a two point eight a fast two point eight lens, or it, yeah. in fact, it looks like a a two hundred two point eight. Yes, um, that's 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 the look of the lens. Was the front element is is much larger. Uh, than the rest of the uh, barrel of the lens, so it's it's a really un unusual looking lens, especially for an f f four. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's really really odd. It's uh, an odd lens, and and I got it once because a guy was selling it, and he I didn't know about it. You know, you know, you know my my father in law used this, and uh, blah blah blah. And I said, you know, I don't, I have no idea what it is. It looks funny. Uh, it was new, 
uh, I said, you know, I give you whatever, I think $200 for it or something, 200 euros. And the guy said, oh, sure. And I took it home. I didn't know what the hell I bought. I came home and I said, you know, again to my wife, I bought a lens. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that um, I kind of put it aside. And, and a couple of years ago, I took it out and I said, you know, this, this thing is special. And I put it on a Alex body. I have some Alex bodies uh, in Pentax. And I was amazed. And this is on film. You know, then I put it on a Pentax K digital. And I did some um, uh, action photography with it here in, 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 in the city. We have an annual big like carnival thing. And I brought it out. And I was amazed. And that was at 450 mils. I mean, wow. That was some crazy stuff, and it's at five six at at you know hundred meters. It's in focus. That well, thing, yeah. is badass. Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting to me here, apart from the fact I had no knowledge of this lens at all, <laughs> um, is you know you, there are as I say there are two versions of this. Uh, there's a normal one that looks like a regular um, three hundred uh, f four. I mean, generally speaking, most most of the lenses of this nature um, of that age tend to be a 4.5 lens um, that's certainly the case with um with with, with olympus and such um so f4 is is, is definitely a, a a step up there um but even the the regular uh f4 lens not not the uh the special uh starred lens they they're going for very strong money as well um, yes. far far more than i would have expected because as you're saying the the the, the telephoto lenses don't really get the same love is oh. the is the is the shorter ones, and uh, you you quite often you you're able to actually buy quite a lot of lens for a relatively small amount of money, certainly compared to what those co what they would have cost when they were new, because they were they they were oh, certainly yeah. more expensive than the than the, than the shorter focal lens in many cases. Yes, oh yes, and and um, I'm not saying that I walk around with it every day. I mean, far from it. Uh, on the other side, for the listeners, it's fun to hear about lenses that you you know. Mm. You see or hear about a lot less, uh, and there's some serious people that do bird photography and, and stuff like that, and it's it's beautiful, it's nice. This lens, if you ever come across it, and it's it's payable, you know, it's within your budget, and and the price looks fine. Buy it, you know, just boom, buy it. Don't hesitate. I don't know what they did to it. They only produced it for a short time. Uh, and Pentex was known for that. They made lenses that didn't make financial sense to them. So they produced it from 81 to 84. Um, the eight element seven group design is not that special. Um, however, it costs money, that's for sure, to produce. It's got a great build quality, has an inbuilt uh, hood. Um, it's light for what it is. It has a great focus. I mean, it's it's a beast for 300. And I have the Nikon 300 mil. Sure, it's a great lens too. The EDIF uh, 300, 4.5, 300, I think. That's a great lens too. But this one beats it. Easy. In sharpness, aberrations, uh, it's it's something else. And, and some people use a, a focus uh, doubler. What is it? Uh, like 0.5 yeah. and it goes to 450. That's great. 
I'm just I've just decided just to take a I mean this is always a good tip for people when they they're, they're buying lenses and that's to see what lenses are actually selling for. Yes. And um and the the selling price I think you mentioned this earlier actually in the podcast. And um, the, the the there's a lot of these uh, the the regular 300 f4 which are on sale for 100 anywhere between 150 to 300 pounds that is yeah. um, so you do, do your conversion into uh, the, the other currencies um, but they're not selling for that kind of value uh, no. in fact uh, the the last one that actually sold in the UK uh, sold for 99 pounds and they had just yeah. one bid on it so I get the feeling that these um, the the lesser model, should we call it, um, is benefiting probably from the halo of the uh, of the expensive one, and perhaps people are sort of associating the two together and uh, thinking that one is the other and uh, they're interchangeable, and perhaps uh, they're yeah. thinking they're getting a legendary three hundred F four instead of the uh, the usual one uh, because it's very well be right, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like I say, it's you don't see it every day. Far from it. Um, it's kind of a special lens. Um, it has a niche uh, usage, sure, uh, but it's worth uh, taking with you to the island. I mean, the thing does wonders, you know. as, as Johnny Wells knows. You know, we have to be insured here, Johnny. You know, what if these Amazon girls stay away from me? You know, that we can't have that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so, I mean, then you have a, a, a 50 mil, a 28, and a 300. Which I think is great. Yeah. So you you you're pretty pretty well well equipped there on your on your, yeah, on your lenses. Yeah, I think there. so. Yeah, okay. I, I could be happy there. So so, <laughs> so, uh, so but you're you're particularly lucky here because you you were also able to put an order in. Um, yes. And it's uh, and you could afford it as well. Whatever it is, I don't know if it's expensive, whether it's cheap or whatever. But uh, there's a lens that you don't own, and it's in that case, and uh, you can now take it out. So what what is that lens? Well, it is the 85 millimeter 1.4 Kimura, and Ooh. I'll tell you why. I have bought the um, 100 meter, 100 millimeter focal length uh, Kimura 1.8 lens, and it is called. It has a nickname. It's called the Endo Star thing, whatever. Now, what it is is when Bertoli in Germany came up with the Bernostar, the design that slowly evolved into the Sonner design in the you know in the the early twenties thirties, and without knowing it, I picked up this Bernostar for a ridiculous price because it came in a package, and I've used this lens, so it's a 1.8 Kimura. Endo Star or whatever they yeah, you know, there's some some fishy names about it. It is absolutely fantastic. It gives you rendering that you don't see anywhere. Um, so I went looking, and there is a uh, 80 or 85 mil, 1.4, on the same kind of sort of design that I would love to take with me to the island. I've never had it in my hands. I've don't. I've never seen examples of it. Sometimes in Japan, somebody has it and. You know, somebody, some shady collector that, you know, they have everything, so that's easy. If I ever see that lens at an affordable price, I buy it. So what's uh, – and, and I take it that's – it is an SLR lens then? Uh, yes, uh, yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you, I've, I've got to say, you, you, your choices have surprised me. It should be like that. You know, it's fun. And, yeah. and people want to hear about weird things. You know, I can talk about a Helios 44 or a Sonner 1.550 from Zeiss. And I've done that. And, and I've been very lucky to be in your show and talk about the Jupiter 3 and the Jupiter 8 and, and all their great things and the Sonner 85. 2.0 from Zeiss, sure. Um, but these these are lenses that, you know, I go on a vacation, you know. So, I mean, shame about the SS tests are going down, but once I'm there, why not? <laughs> so, you know, I think it's all for us to, to enjoy a podcast, to hear different views and different possibilities and, you know, to make us think, well, let me check that out on eBay. You know, what is that? And then once some, you know, you have almost 10,000 members. I saw... So soon there'll be 10,000 people and they'll be looking at this stuff and somebody's going to find it. Somebody's going to say, hey, I heard about it on the podcast. I'm going to buy it. And that's fun. You know, that's how I learned. I didn't. I don't think we've ever inspired anyone to buy a single lens. That's. I'm, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> no. Is this the legal disclaimer that you have to put in here, Johnny? <laughs> I knew it was going to come somewhere, you know. Classic Lenses Podcast is not responsible for any purchases that may be made resulting from the podcast. <laughs> is your bank account low? Do you have problems paying bills? <laughs> Contact your local banker. <laughs> no, no, it's the way, we, the way this, it's how I learned and listening to people that know a lot more than I do. And it's, it's, it's a pleasure to talk about these things, you know, because they're great. They're lots of fun. So just to talk, talk a little bit more about this 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 Camura um, yeah. one point four. What would that be an M forty two lens or or did that come on? No a, no no no. Those? That's the same thing. That's the M fifty eight voodoo stuff. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, as I say, I have the one hundred uh, millimeter one point eight, and it also has this um, this adapt this uni adapter. You know, that that scares the living daylights out of me. Um, and I basically checked Kimura and, you know, what is this? How does it work? And you see this like old Japanese guy in the early fifties in Japan with a big mustache. Now one of these Japanese mustaches that you see in Bruce Lee movies, you know, and I was intrigued, you know, I said, yeah, I want to know more about this. And they got all kinds of stuff. And as old Japanese, they go over and beyond or they don't go at all. You know, so you either have the Kimura 28, Kimura none. That is a piece of <clears throat> shit uh, because it's too heavy, or you have something really special, and that's how I got to this eighty or eighty-five mil, one point four, and I saw it, and it is great. I mean, the one point four eighty-five or eighty is basically a great you know combination, but the prices were kind of you know okay, uh, no, can't do that. Just just, just for the the benefit of uh, some of our listeners, uh, Bruce, yeah. Bruce Lee uh, is is more yeah. uh, associated with China um, and that, that area rather than Japan. Yeah. Uh, but, um, oh, you know, yeah. I'm sorry about that. No, no it's okay. <laughs> but um, it, it's just one of these kung fu things from China, and you know, with with with, with big mustaches and Japan yeah. Zen and all that. Yeah. Um, that's so, what treat me. So uh, with it, this this lens, um, it's. It's quite common for lenses to be made by manufacturers, uh, some of the lesser-known manufacturers, and, and for those lenses to turn up rebranded as, as other things. Um, yeah. Because ultimately, making a, 
uh, any any lens from a fresh design, if you're, especially if you're a small company, is a is a really big deal. Yes. And um, and that's why you hear all these stories about Tommy Oka making lenses for other people and some people making others in Casino doing stuff and, and, and so on and so on. Um, do you know of any uh, other use or anywhere else this, this lens design uh, was used other than uh, lenses that were branded as Kimura? Yes, the early Endostar yes. lenses in Germany. Um, and they're basically developed into the Sonars. Now the uh, the Sunner is a better lens. You know, don't don't know if so much about it. On the other side, the Kimura or the Endostar rendering is is quite something special. It has an out of focus thing that is I haven't seen before. Well, um, you just well, just, I was just going to say you just just mentioned uh, uh, Sonar's there. So I and. Um, as far as I'm aware, I can't think of a single 85 1.4 sonar no, uh, no. lens as such. Well, what what is the? Uh, do you know what the optical design is of the uh, of the Camera? Is it a, a planar design? What I think, and again, it's very hard to find info on it. The uh, 100 mil is a. Let me see. This is some serious stuff. It's a six element, four groups. Um. And my guess is that the 85 has the same uh, yeah. setup. It, it, it would be logical, wouldn't it, really? It I would guess. be very logical because, as you say very rightfully so, it's so expensive to come up with a, a solution or with a lens um, manufacturing uh, idea uh, without testing it. And that costs the most money, you know, obviously. Now, this is 1950s, 1960s Japan. So... The, the film gods and the, the, the glass gods moved to Japan from Germany, and they did some some really awesome stuff there. Um, for me, this lens, um, already the hundred mils, I'm very happy with, and it gives me this you know like a ver like a horizontal blur when I take a picture with it. It's like horizontal blurring. I, I don't know how to explain it differently. Whereas the sonar gives you uh, try dimensional blurring this sonar this uh kimura so this endostar design gives you a blurring in a horizontal way it, it's hard to explain but it's it's completely different of whatever i've seen uh, i've used it on uh, a canon actually canon f1 on film and for street scenes when i take some distance it's great it, it gives you. I'll publish a picture in, in the uh, um, in the Facebook group that, that probably can explain a little bit yeah. what I what I'm to say. <laughs> it's it's a very nifty thing. It's special. It's not crazy expensive. It's not like you know sixteen thousand dollar lens. Um, and I'm sure there must be examples of this lens in Europe, in the U.S. of people that bought it in the in the sixties. Um, you just have to recognize it, which often is the case, you know. You just see it, and the seller will say, I don't know what this is, and you buy it at a good price, Yeah, which is only fair. Right, well... I want to thank you for um, <laughs> that that eclectic uh, selection of lenses, and also uh, um, congratulate you on your uh, incredible restraint uh, not to take a Carl's Ice lens uh, with, yes, with you as well. Yeah, I was proud it's of that. Amazing, yeah. amazing. <laughs>
Truly yeah, you're amazing. amazing. Johnny, I knew you were waiting for my song. <laughs> I thought that, that number three. Yeah. I thought number three for sure. No, no, I think I behaved. <laughs> I, I really did. And you know, for, for you guys to do a podcast is, you know, and I got to thank you guys doing a lot of work, uh, doing a lot of um, research. Be ready for it. I know, Johnny, you get up early in the morning to do this. I know Simon. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Simon is working hard on this, and, and I can only, and I hope, I, I, you know, and I know I, I represent a lot of members that just enjoy the podcast, that just like to, to, to listen to it. They're looking forward to Monday, which is in itself, you know, the, the week is starting, but thank God there's the podcast. And I just think it's great that you guys do it. And it's hard to do. I, I I played with the idea of starting a podcast on vintage film, as you both know. You know, I, I tried to do some some stuff there, and it's hard to do. So my congratulations go all to you. And the only thing I can do is to, you know, maybe talk about some weird lenses that might interest interest somebody. You know, and that's fun. Well, uh, thank thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. And, and I, I, actually, I just <clears throat> I just mind you, I, I was listening to the. Um, the spin-off show to the Sunday 16 podcast uh, today, um, which is called Back in Paper, um, or as Johnny calls it, Fly Paper. And, um, <laughs> and this week's, and it only, only actually came out today, and they've got uh, a guest on there, uh, Alex Purcell, who's uh, Grainy Blue on Instagram, and uh, it takes a lot of good stuff. But um, there's, there was something that uh, Graham, um, I, I, the subject of our podcast uh, popped up, and uh, and I think it's probably worth uh, you know, making the effort if you're not actually listened to any of the Sunday Sixteen podcasts or the backing papers. It might be a good one to 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 listen to now. And that's the the latest one that came out today, because Graham manages to uh, distill the entire essence <laughs> of um, <laughs> class why yeah, the whole podcast and and why we use old lenses on digital cameras. And I'm not, I don't want to say any more than that, but he uh, <laughs> he, he, he gets it absolutely bang on. Um, so um, yeah, uh, it'd be worth making making time. Plus, it's actually one of the, it's their sh- it's it's always designed to be a short show for them. But this is actually almost is a short show. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, do do have a have a listen to that. Was it's uh, it, it, that, that tickled me what he uh, what he what he what he said there. Um, anyway, so let's uh, move on um, because we've had a well. It wasn't just one letter flooding in. We've we've had a. a, a Proper deluge of. Uh, are, are we emails, even going to have time we? to do this today? We've got. We we got, holy guy. Let me just say, first of all, I get to read the email address. Simon is the one who really likes getting the email. Just so we're clear, her who is really the email <laughs> fan. Okay, Simon gets them. He requests them. I get to read them. So, just saying. You um, just. You're just helping me with my dyslexic uh, disability, um, Johnny. So I, I, I appreciate what you do for me. It's it's an absolute pleasure, Simon. You know I love it. Um, <laughs> well, how many of these do we want to go through? Because you know, I, there, there's one very apropos. We we have somebody who wrote us that the subject line is help. Um, ah, <laughs> actually, yeah, you're you're right, and you know what? I think I think you're right. Let's let's just do the one, and okay. uh, th- thanks to those people who have uh, written in this week. But when we we'll, yeah. we will cover it next week, back with Carl as well, because Carl will be with us next week. So we'll make yeah. a, a special effort with uh, with emails next week. So uh, right. so yeah, and, and and since Carl wasn't on today's podcast, and I doubt he'll listen. 
Well, these floats, well, these, oh, poor do you think it, listen, I don't want to give it away. Simon knows our Simon knows where I'm going with this, but yeah. uh, well, 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 I've just got to say something else actually, and then you're yeah. included in this, Johnny, and and that's okay. uh, I was I was I was I mentioned that podcast uh, that I was on the uh, the Viewfinder Vikings podcast. Oh yeah, there, before I went on it, and then I mentioned it in the podcast last week, and then it soon turns out that neither you or Carl actually listened <laughs> to it. <laughs> I haven't had time. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm going to. I, it's been a. It's been a rough week. Which you know, I'm not going to say any more than that about what's been going on here in my life. But it's been a rough week. Um, so I will listen to that. But I yes, I understand that we missed an opportunity to give you some stick. So. <laughs> So so yeah, let's let's do that one uh, that 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 one uh, email the, the, that uh, you've ju- you've just mentioned there because uh, it yes. was from somebody that uh, it was our, fir- our first um, yes. Tim is I don't know what the what the quiet yeah. word is uh, but certainly our first traveller wasn't it I was again subject line <laughs> is uh, message is I'm still stuck on this desert island I'm sick of eating crab and the sharks are circling please can you help me get off of here. From our friend Anil. Yeah, well, I, I did actually give Anil some some, some advice. Um, so uh, <laughs> I don't whether or not he's um, he's taken it and whether he's been able to do it or not. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to find out from on, on another day. But um, yeah, we didn't really think that one through because we've been leaving people on this island without any means of getting back. <laughs> I, I think uh, we should have a thing where the next person. So now Eric's on the island. That means Anil rotates off the island. Right. I mean, is that how that works? Yeah, that works. That's why I took my 300 mil with me. I'm going to find him. <laughs> yeah, right. Tell him the boat's here. He can go the home. The boat's here. Uh, he's living in some treehouse, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll find him. I'll let you guys I think. I, I think the, the, the return boat is the SS Sonar, which doesn't say. <laughs> <laughs> Although the way you say it, that sounds like it's going to be a, sub, a submarine, but surely it's Sonar. And, uh, and, and uh, because you say Sonar, as in like the, uh, the sound waves there. Sonar, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it in English. That's all. Oh, the, yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can argue about this one, can't we? Well, let, let, no, we let, can't. Let, let's no, we can't. <laughs> okay, well, let's. Um, I, I've I've got a couple of bits and bobs I want to quickly go through. But um, uh, Johnny, have you have you got anything? Any kind of shout outs or uh, things you want to talk about uh, this week? Um, oh, um, I probably do. I have a stack of business cards here of people that I've met over the past few weeks that I should probably read out. But um, uh, I, yeah, I'm just gonna do one. I'm just gonna do one. Um, and I'll, I'll save. Maybe I'll save the rest of those for the next feedback session section uh session uh but i saw mr devlin cook again who was in um central camera here i guess it was last week before all the craziness of this week um but he was in um we've we've mentioned him a few times he is um he's a pilot based out of abu dhabi i gotta think i got it right this time i think i usually say dubai but it's abu dhabi um, and, uh, he's a, a street photographer who does excellent work. Uh, I think we've featured his, um, I guess it's probably a Flickr or an Instagram before I'll find it again, but his work is excellent. Um, real nice guy travels all over the world, sees a lot of great stuff. Um, came into the shop with a beautiful, uh, Nikon F2 that had one of those goofy, Nikon metered finders on it, um, and we found him a really nice black uh, finder, prism finder, standard, which is beautiful. So he got that and a couple of other other accessories, and we chatted for a while. So 
it was definitely good to, good to see him again. Um, and maybe we can rope him into being on the show someday. I think he'd be a great guest. Uh, real nice guy. So anyway, that, that, that was a highlight of my week. Um, finding a bunch of cool old Nikon accessories for Devlin. So, so quick shout out to Devlin and then we'll do some more shout outs, uh, next time. Okay. Well, uh, I've got a, a shout out for, uh, Lyndon from Londinian cameras, um, who, uh, was i started chatting with him on um on instagram and uh, he then uh, probably quite uh, cunningly asked me a question about <laughs> a, about a, a barrel lens and whether or not i could uh, identify it and the answer is i couldn't identify it but i liked the look of it so much i, I went onto a site and bought it um so so i think that was all part of the ruse um, so, uh, so thank, thank you, Lyndon. Um, I've got, uh, I've got, wait, this did lens. you buy his, it was in his lens? It was, well, he's, he's got a page, um, he's ah, got a page. So Lyndon, he, did, he did, he did get you to buy his lens. He, he, he did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ah, wow. Use. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, Simon, when you're, when you're old, I, I just, I want to everybody, hopefully people will not be calling you and trying to scam you out of your money <laughs> <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm not, well, the thing the thing is I saw, I saw the picture and I thought that that looks like uh, one of my barrel lenses my Taylor Taylor Hobson barrel lenses and I think well I can just probably just screw into the uh, one of the adapters I've had made and, it, and it'll be fine and uh, it, it, it turns up and it's about half the size <laughs> was, because was, there was no real scale in the photograph so he, you know you, it, it could have it could have been as big as an aero ectar as far as I, as right, far as I knew right. but uh, but no, so it's a, it's a fair bit smaller than I was expected so I've, I've just got to work out what on earth it is um, but uh, it's very nice and uh, it didn't cost me the earth so I don't really mind because uh, it's 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 a very it's good. a sweet Very little good. thing, so I'll do something with it anyway. So, uh, thank you, Lyndon. That's there, uh, Lyndon of uh, Londinian Cameras, uh, which you can uh, you can find him on uh, on Instagram, and uh, also Lyndon is a camera repairer, so he's a, a useful person All to right. know. So, um, so that, in fact, actually, it was on the it was on the Sunday Sixteen podcast uh, not that long ago as well. So uh, that's also one to uh, it's worth listening to. So. Uh, two more things that I just want to uh, say. Uh, I, I was at the Wolverhampton Camera Fair yesterday, uh, and I met uh, two loyal listeners. Um, one of which I had a chat with, but I didn't actually ask him his name. So the unnamed person. <laughs> then it was it was nice to nice to chat chat to you, and um, and I actually also bought his uh, Jupiter Twelve off him as well, uh, which 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 was good. So uh, there's a pattern here, absolutely. You know, you buy lenses of people you don't know. Yeah, you know, Johnny. I mean, you know, it's going wrong here. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh the other person i met was uh i hope i'm going to pronounce your name correctly he was uh ways rahami oh, oh if i spell that wrong right ways rahami oh anyway ways and uh i uh that was it was it was good to have a chat to you and um and ways also uh uh, I offered to help him out with getting his Flexigon fixed as well. So, uh, so ways uh, the your lens is now with my repairman, and with a bit of luck, I'll be picking this up this week and get it back into the post to you. So, uh, so that there'll be a happy ending on that Flexigon story as well. Um, and so, final uh, point for me uh, is just to say about uh, coffee and or Kofi uh, donations for for this week. Um, we have had. Uh, quite a few of them and uh 
the first one that came in was uh, from Cheyenne Morrison again. So this is we have, we we haven't mentioned Cheyenne um, all the way through this week and, and until now. So um, <laughs> that's 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 a first for us for the last, for for must be about five weeks. Um, so uh, and uh, what is he saying here? So uh, thanks again for the great podcast. Um, and Johnny, you should have saved the Biotar story till he comes back on again. So uh, yeah. you're you're now officially told off there, Johnny, for uh, giving away <laughs> one of his good stories. Uh, oh, I can't it. tell it the way he. Can can tell it we know that <laughs> that's, that's that's very true <laughs> um and uh we also had uh, a message and uh, a donation from tom shepherd uh, says on your fellas uh, because i do believe he's australian i don't know if he sounds like that but there you go i've said it that way um great work enjoy the podcast very much so uh, thank thank you tom uh nigel cliff um decided that the podcast last week was good enough to uh, to get a donation <laughs> Um, and he's uh, particularly happy with me saying um, less than positive things about the Flectagon just as he's uh, just trying to sell one of them. <laughs> so uh, I don't, hopefully I've not altered the price. And, I, and uh, um, actually, it turns out I, I think I've been a bit harsh on that Flectagon. We'll, we'll perhaps talk a bit more about that next week. Um, and then uh, finally, Ian Fleming uh, donated to us as well. And, uh, and his, his comment was, uh, really enjoyed episode 36. Um, and that was the uh, the gear acquisition monkey so uh, he, he enjoyed that one and actually we do have two emails uh, from from Ian uh, but we'll uh, we'll we'll cover those off uh, next right. week so uh, yes. we'll yeah we're getting a little bit long on time now so uh, so uh, there there we go so um so back to uh, Eric um, yes Again, thank you for uh, letting us send you away, and we're sorry that you're stuck Indeed. there for for some yeah. time. It's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, it's the way it is. I can handle. I can handle it. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, is the how how could apart, I mean you you post regularly in the Facebook group photography with classic lenses, but um, where else can people see what you do and perhaps book you for work as well? Well, for work, you can send an email to Cas K. A-A-S-O, Kilo Alpha Alpha Sierra, at CAS, again, so K-A-A-S, dot F-R. You can also reach me like that. Um, if you want to see some Flickr pics, let me know. I'll send you the link. Um, I'll be more than happy. If you're interested in lenses, you have questions, please do so. And, and I'm more than happy to, uh, to accommodate. Uh, what I will do is I'll post a picture of the uh, Endostar uh, lens on the um, on the Facebook page, and you know, like I said, thank you for again for having me. It was great fun. It's been a, been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Johnny. How about, how about yourself? And um, how can people keep up with you? Oh, you can find me on Instagram um, at System Photography. There, uh, you can find me most days of the week at um, Central Camera Company in Chicago, and I will be a pleasure to talk with you there as well. Okay, and uh, I just realised I should have mentioned James Thorpe as well when we talked about uh, coffee donations. With uh, James being a regular contributor, so uh, thank you, thank you, James. Um, and so for me, uh, you can find me as Simon Forster Photographic on Instagram, and that's actually where we post um, for the podcast as well. So, uh, so that's that's because we haven't actually got an Instagram account that we actually use. Um, oh, I'm going to pass it back to Johnny again because there was two. Oh, I knew you were going to do that. Damn it! There. Yeah. So yes. uh, go on, uh, take it away. <laughs> So I'm just going to go on over to Instagram right now and make sure I'm reading this hashtag right. Um, 
so on Instagram, if you um, if you tag your uh, your photos on Instagram with uh, classic lenses and also with um, hashtag best vintage lens, they will show up in in those two um, in those two tag pools. So please do that um, and and check out best best vintage lens on uh, on Instagram as well. Um, and you'll see a lot of shots with all sorts of different lenses, ones that we talk about here and, and many more. So check that out. Oh, oh, you should also send Simon an, inst- a, uh, an email for me to read <laughs> at classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. Um, I've just, I just, uh, something just popped into my head. It was last week uh, we talked about the competition that Best Vintage Lens are running on their oh, yeah, Instagram right. feed, and yeah. and I don't think we we didn't really do, explain it fully, uh, and, I, and we're not going to explain it fully now. But one of the things was we were saying how you, I think you, I said you can sort of win. Um, a Vivitar 50mm f3.5 in larger lens and when I, yeah. and I didn't really explain what, what sort of win uh, means and, and that's a case of uh, this, this voyaging lens by the, the name of that the idea is that um, somebody gets to use the lens and to take some shots and then sends the lens onto the next the next person whoever that right. whoever the chosen one is so uh so yeah do do check out their their feed and have a look at that um that, that competition i'm not sure where 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 they're at on that whether you can still enter it for this round but it's going to be something that's going to be ongoing and, and that sounds like a really interesting project that there's so uh um so finally i've, I've mentioned uh, my instagram i'm on um uh, Twitter is Simon4 that's Simon and then F-O-R um, I'm on Flickr um, I've got a you can find me if you look on eBay for It's Fozzy that's I-T-S-F-O-Z-Z-Y where there's plenty of lens adapters and uh, I'm getting a few more lenses on there as well um, thank you to Kevin McLeod for providing our music which is Octo Blues um, and then finally uh, you can see all of us or read whatever we, our output and uh, look at our pictures and things on the Facebook group Photography with Classic Lenses so I hope you've enjoyed this week uh, this week's podcast um, Carl will be back with us next week so we're looking forward to having Yay, you back Carl. You know, if he's assuming he's, he's recovered from whatever he's doing this, this week and, uh, in, the, in the swamp or whatever um, and um, so, so yeah uh, thank you for listening and it'd be great if you could join us again next week thank you, goodbye that was fun. I got to piss like a Canadian woodworker. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking some crispy material here. You know. <laughs> Wait, do you mean lumberjack? I uh, like lumber- woodworker. I woodworker, you know, because lumberjack is too fail, you know. I'm, I'm yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking grizzly material here, you know. It's like <laughs> this. I behaved, you know. <laughs> yeah, you did actually. I you did. you I behaved did. very well. I did, you know that yeah i did <laughs> of course the whole thing was a complete lie though because you'd take three three um size yeah we know what you're hiding in pockets <laughs> yeah we know you got some ice lenses hidden there because we you know you're not going to get frisked when you get off that boat oh, no, so. no, no. <laughs>